Brian Sutton Smith says the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression, which is huge. You know, that's just like when we look at actually how so many people are really struggling and really, you know, finding a lot. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of tension in people. And and if if that is true that the opposite of depression is play, then actually is that what a lot of us are missing that that opportunity to be playful. Welcome to the Wild Minds podcast for people interested in health, nature-based therapy and learning. We explore cutting-edge approaches that help us improve our relationship with ourselves, others and the natural world. My name is Marina Robb. I'm an author, entrepreneur, forest school, outdoor learning and nature-based trainer and consultant and pioneer in developing green programs for the health service in the UK. listening to episode seven, Wildness, Wild Play and Uncharted Territory. My guest today on the Wild Minds podcast is Lily Horseman. Lily has been following the threads of play, nature, community and connection through many different roles over the last 25 years. Lily set up her business, Kindling Play and Training, which she launched in 2009. She delivers community-based work through Stomping Ground CIC and Eden Ventures and is also a director and former chair of the Forest School Association. In this episode, we have a lively chat about wildness and wild play, the importance of discomfort and not giving up on the question, why? Hi, Lily Horson. I am so excited. Welcome to Wild Minds. I'm, well, I'm delighted to have you here. And I always start with a bit of gratitude. And I know you know about gratitude. And um, yeah, so I would like to start just by saying I'm really grateful for dogs. Just been hearing your dog barking and Yeah, I lost my dog a few months ago and I didn't realise how much I loved her. So I'm super grateful for dogs in my life. How about you? What are you grateful for? What are you feeling grateful for? Well, now I'm feeling grateful for dogs because I'm like, (laughs) clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, that's a a strong... I wasn't feeling grateful for dogs when they were barking whilst I was trying to, you know, get everything sounding good here. Um, Yeah. But also humans, I think, at the minute, because I've, yeah, I just find myself in different contexts, lots of different ways, working with extraordinary humans, different teams of people, different um, different children, young people as well that I'm working with that, yeah, I'm finding their company and their uh, contribution to my thinking and, and life, yeah, really good fun, mm. really good fun. Mm. That's lovely. I think particularly... Yesterday was a 10 tarp day in that it was very wet and we had a lot of people and to be working with a team of humans that having taken down 10 wet tarps at least and then a number of dens to still be laughing and smiling and having a, having fun together was, yeah, yeah, one of those experiences where you go, yeah, these people aren't normal. It's brilliant. I like it. Mm. Does that mean they're not getting angry or what, what's making them special? I'm wondering because when the rain comes down, it's a long day, it's mm. windy. We've been there, especially, you know, it has been quite a long winter. Um, mm. What, what, yeah, what do you think is keeping them all right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And I think, I mean, I think partly I'm noticing a lot in, in the communities that I'm part of, so whether that's through work in particular whether that's communities that involve children young people or communities of adults and teams there's this sense of care for one another and and kind of you know the fact that all through the day we've been checking in on each other and you know somebody was just making sure I had cups of tea and somebody else you know and I was just like taking chocolate around and you know all of that then it means by the end of the day you're able to keep being a bit relentless actually when when you could be depleted, and, mm-hmm. and and I think that's where I find those sort of teams that we work with, where actually you don't deplete one another, is yeah, that's really really valuable, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. And I guess um, when we think about as educators, um, but in our settings, I know we spend most of our times teaching outdoors. And mm. um, I wonder often how how different it would be to now be doing that indoors all the time. And, you know, the humans can deplete us or nourish us or the mm. setting can deplete us or nourish us as well. And yeah, I guess I'm a great believer that the outdoors is is nourishing, providing you've got those tarps, though, when you need it. Right, right. You know, because it can be too much. I mean, I don't say I like coming home. I like my cup of tea. I like mm. my toilet. Mm-mm. But I can also be outdoors and dig a toilet. Yeah, you know, sure. But I was just wondering whether that layer of potential for discomfort actually means that you look after each you're like okay it's a really wet day and we're really busy and you know and I know we're all kind of going into this a little bit tired for one thing and another things that are going on in our lives so then there's an anticipation that you need to take extra care so it's almost like the um potential negative things actually makes you work on the sort of care side of things a little bit more which then if you're just in a room, nobody's, if you're not working on that in the same way. I don't know. Well, other than also I've worked in, in offices where people are, there are people who are nourishing others, but it, it, course, it doesn't yeah. become a culture. It doesn't become yeah. a culture in the same way. You kind of have yeah. to create this culture of, of care, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get into it as the conversation goes on, but, you know, I am wondering about that care being and, and allowing in care, saying yes, actually, or asking for care and, how how that's not definitely not always been easy for me and, and it depends on who and it depends on the look they give me or uh yeah what I might be feeling whether I can um also offer care or whether so yeah it's an interesting thing oh but now I'm gonna have to write down lots of things like I'm just thinking about reciprocity and the importance of that oh. and then I was also just thinking about like oh uh, yeah being vulnerable and blah 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 like there's so much like yeah it it opens up so easily doesn't it it does and actually one thing I'm really aware of as I've been starting to have these conversations that my mind runs super fast and I can jump I can kind of Mm. go one minute I'm in the woods you know setting up a site with you and then I'm into you know vulnerability and mental health so I've got to I've got to slow down I've got to slow down (laughs) I, I seriously need to slow down I'll just keep bringing people with you. It's fine. Oh, we'll just. <laughs> I hope so. I hope the listeners stay stay with me and with us. Let's let's see. Um, mm. But I guess they have freedom, right? We all have freedom. Right. Oh God, yeah. should we go down that road? No. no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> You're trying to do an intro. I've seen you trying to do it. I am. I'm trying to do an intro, yeah. and my yeah. intro is about this idea of wildness and I wonder um does wildness mean anything to you what do you think of when when I say what does wildness mean to you what are the kind of thoughts that come up for you yeah it's a good question so some of the my my first and second and possibly my third thoughts so my first thought I was thinking about feralness and wildness and kind of being without and kind of on the edge and that sort of um, I know we've talked in the past about the lovely etymology of of hags and hag, you know that that word meaning the hedge rider and that edge, you know that was kind of that wildness that is without of of whatever the village, the community, the society, and all of that sort of thing. So that that kind of edgeness. But then I was also thinking, what's the opposite of wild? So that's kind of tame, isn't it? Which domesticated is the word I think of. Is it? Yes, mm. it is. And domesticated is like domestic, like that's of the house, isn't it? That's the etymology, the origins of it. You know, that kind of of the mm. home and things like that. So it's is it about things that are beyond the home? You know, out of your. So then I'm thinking about being out of your comfort zone. You know, that kind mm. of that stretch and that kind of being away from the things that make it easy, you know, the toilet, the kettle, all of that, mm. you know, that, that kind of edge, edgeness there as well. But the weird thing about that, though, is that 
wildness feels like oh it's uncomfortable maybe untame and yet mm. the more you go into that the normal more normal it, it can feel and therefore it doesn't mm. feel so uncomfortable anymore so yeah. so I don't know whether for me wildness is just it is it doesn't feel the uncomfortable in a way it feels like perhaps it's the normal I, I don't yet know I'm trying to figure it mm -hmm. out is is wild is our wildness a better description of the fullness of who we are or yeah or is it not and, and I think of domestication actually when I think of it because we can actually what we can see each other while we're talking and I often mm -hmm. think a, a form of domestication could be you know almost neatly dressed I'm I'm packing I have a kind of I, 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 I you know like no one knows what we're wearing <laughs> I brushed this bit of my hair <laughs> I did just briefly yeah yeah you did yeah. what it is that isn't it is that sort of not not necessarily seeing that as being the most important thing as well yes that actually to turn up and be here and be connected the most important thing isn't that we've both you know taken a lot of time over the, how we present ourselves mm. visually or domestically in that way mm. but actually it's about you know that that quality of connection that quality of of kind of curiosity and all of those sorts of things that I think the wild creates for me so finding that place where I can be really curious and excited and um challenge and all of those sorts of things you know being out of your comfort zone not being a, a bad thing in that way you know like being uncomfortable and being out of your comfort zone aren't necessarily the same thing it's that kind of you know talk about that sort of stretch rather than mm. just sitting with the kind of how it is and, and accepting that as well so I think there's something in 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 that about wildness which is about just not accepting what you're, you're given what what you're being mm. kind of presented with going actually do you know what there's another way of doing that an untamed way of doing that mm. Yeah, there's an un uncharted, like an unexplored ways of doing things that are that e that exist and may offer us different ways of looking, different experiences that really, really may benefit us. And if we stay, let's say, within the four walls of our minds, our understandings, the way we mm -hmm. have been brought up, then we can. The potential is we never get to see or experience those other things. But there is a risk, of course, isn't there? And, and what happens when you go too far out of that comfort zone? And, and you know, I'm just thinking about um, who's his face is Mortlock. Talk, you know, he has this model where you look at those different stretch zones, and then that sort of panic. And but I mean, panic, right? That's a that's a nature word, isn't it? Mm. What does it mean? Um, it's from well, it's it's connected to Pan. You know, the god of the oh, hunt. Is the it? Kind of, yeah, I mean that's interesting, isn't it? That 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 sort of beyond the so we've got our comfort zone, we've got our challenge zone, and then we've got this kind of fear and panic zone. But even that, you know, that panic is is kind of connected to wildness in some way. That, mm. uh, etymologically, like the, the word root of it is around pan and 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 the sort of the other. And I think mm. that's maybe what wildness is about. Sort of the other, not the you know, it's the kind of the thing that's beyond, the thing that's out there, the thing that's mysterious in some way. Mm. Um, it was yeah. nice that you reminded me of a, of that conversation, that image of being a kind of um, edge walker or hedge walker or, mm. you know, because I, I just now when you were speaking, I had an image of me kind of like on an edge, like, but kind of popping myself over a hedge and like looking beyond, not, 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 quite going there but kind of looking beyond kind of that curiosity like could I go beyond there or is this mm. I'm still out I'm still on an edge I'm not like right around the fire hanging out with my mates I'm I'm but who's out there with me and um this kind of curiosity but also this feeling in me of really needing to be tethered back to that fire or that that home as well like I don't feel mm. If you go, there's a sense if you go too far, let's say wild, then it feels like it would be too scary. As you say, panic, but oh, I would feel scared. Um, and so this idea of being tethered feels quite important. And that makes me think about attachment, you know, that we do 
need I and I think all humans we also need to feel a sense of home a sense of place a sense of attachment you know from little being a little child as well as being an adult because um yeah because otherwise it's too scary it sets us into that panic and disconnect are you ready to elevate your forest school skills and breathe new life into your sessions? Don't allow doubt to hinder your exploration of outdoor learning's potential. Without proper direction, young people may miss out on nature's profound impact. Imagine confidently guiding your groups through parks or green spaces equipped with essential skills. Explore theoutdoorteacher.com slash Forest School for my premier online training in forest school activities and begin your path towards becoming a skilled outdoor educator today. And don't forget, if you're in the UK, you have the opportunity to experience the wonders of nature firsthand at one of our direct trainings in Sussex. Dive into the details of our in-person courses at circleoflife.rediscovery.com. So it's an interesting subject, isn't it? Wow. It is. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And mm. I, was, I was thinking about that attachment and the, it like, implies community and, you know, the kind of the way you're explaining it as, as being around the hearth or out, out of the out of the edge and all of that sort of thing. It's, yeah. But I think being able to transition from one place to another and, and have, a, have a, a route out and a route back in is something that I'm finding really um really interesting in in my life currently having kind of you know felt like I've been way too deep in the like I said like we were saying before working in offices and things like that where I felt like ah you know this has gone this has gone wrong somewhere you know this is I'm not I'm not in my comfort zone right now but then if you go too far out of the edge and, and can't can't actually affect what's going on in the middle you know mm. that you, you you almost give up your say if you go too far out of the other 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 and there's a lot in that to unpack I think but you know just thinking about that idea of like if you take yourself too far out of of the community out of the society then it's very hard to influence what's going on internally Mm. as well Mm. so tell me a little bit about your work because I I mean I know that you're a forest school trainer and I know a practitioner and a community worker and you'll define yourself in in your way but but What's you've also, I think, your history is very much steeped in play work, and I'd love to understand well a little bit of how you got into play work because it's not something I hear a lot of nowadays. Would you share a little no, bit about no, your journey and, and what that is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about the fact that you were saying it's not something you hear a lot of these days, and I feel like it has been something that as a thread has kind of got woven into forest school quite a lot. Like a lot of the play workers that I know also have quite a lot of themselves in the forest school camp. Not all, but some. Um, and there was definitely a stronger movement. And, and you know, going back sort of 10, 10 years or so ago, I was part of a, a play team in a local authority that was, there was over 20 of us in the team. Wow. You know, that's huge really you know really impactful team of people and we had researchers and we had kind of you know like people working at all different levels in that team really extraordinary work and and there was a culture and a climate that that funded that and valued that and I think that's one of the things that I've noticed over the last sort of 10, 10 years 10 15 years is that where that value has seems to disappear but actually forest school has has, has taken a place in in the mainstream that it didn't have previously, you know. I had the experience, and I've had it before, and I don't know why I keep going back to it, but somebody said to me, oh, what do you do? Because they were helping me load something into my van, and, you know, like I opened the back door and there's just a multitude of tools. and you know, <laughs> I've looked in that van. <laughs> right, right. It, 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 it creates a lot of questions, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> like, you could stay in there for hours. Do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's a zombie apocalypse survival van, you know. You could do anything and go anywhere. But, Love um, it. 
but then somebody's like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, well, you know, I kind of work outdoors with, with children and young people, but I also train teachers and professionals who want to work with children and sort of look at practical, blah, 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 practical skills. But they went, oh, what, like forest school? And I was like, yes, 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 forest school. You know, there is a shorthand now, which mm. I'm still not fully used to, and I should just say I do forest school. But, um, yeah, I think maybe because I've kind of come to that through the play work um, route and through that sort of lens. So, And, and a lot of that was, was based around the sort of play culture of the well it came from the sort of junk playgrounds of the 50s and 60s at post-war and people seeing how children were able to play and create with 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 sort of the stuff that had been left behind by the the, the sort of you know um post-war deconstruction of lots of wood and bricks and stuff laying around and children then building their own playgrounds from that. And then in, in as it, we got into the 60s and 70s, people taking that and creating a playwork culture around it. So how do adults act and react in order to support and create that environment? So that was, that was sort of the background of it. Um, and then coming later then into the 90s and uh, 2000s, it became much more about how then do you take that culture and drop it into places. So a lot of the work that we did was, um, and the play team was taking play to different communities and, and different places. And so for, for me, forest school is, is just then maybe honing that to a particular environment that, like we were talking about earlier, I find nourishes me. So it, it's where I can meet my um, love of being in nature with my love of play. Mm-hmm. That play in nature and nature of play, the two things can 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 be together and and coincide together and 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 look for ways of doing that so Mm. and it's interesting for me looking at how play is represented in forest school and there's a lot in there about child-centered and child-initiated and play and choice and there's so much kind of subtlety in that that I think still needs interrogating I think by the forest school community absolutely but before we go there I I'm really fascinated by history and how things come round and round you know and and what do we learn from that I mean even you mentioning that 10 years ago our local authorities in some areas had 20 play workers and even before that you know you were going out into communities that makes me think of access and the power of that you know people can accessing those experiences um in their communities where they live so that's got that going on in my brain Mm. and wondering about how valuable that is and then I've got this thing going on about my own life I mean I was born in uh, 1969 and and I and, and I lived in sort of um outside of London and that's what I remember is being told well not even being told you know just we just go to what we call the wreck and right. okay, so it's not the fifties and sixties, but it's it's the wreck, and it was. I can just remember, yeah, junk apart from this witch's wheel thing, you know, is it, that we would spin, and it, I'm sure it was half broken, and you know, we would play, and we didn't have any adults there, but I, I, I you know, I th- I kind of think, gosh, so we've as children we were left to our own devices and. Um, you know, we were out there doing our thing. And I don't know that Forest School is doing that. I mean, that's another question. Mm. But what's so what mm. what is the thinking, I guess, of play work? Because I think there's so much to discover in 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 the in the thinking and the wisdom of both the practitioners that are with, holding those spaces for those young people and the spaces. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you've identified those two things because play, work, I mean, obviously play, children can do that. They don't need adults to do that. that they're fully capable, fully able. However, there are many different societal and physical things that stop them from doing that. And so play, work then is about trying to remove those those barriers for children to play because whether that's about the fact that now well, uh, uh, there's that bit of research which I'm sure you've come across, which looks at generational uh, roaming zones, and um, mm. it was done quite a while ago. In fact, just going back to it, it was 15 years ago that I was in the local authority. I'm realising that time passes 
still <laughs> you know you're like you, yeah you can um but yeah so and it was around that time i remember reading this research and they were looking at different generations so there was a the grandfather of a of a child who was about eight at that time and his roaming zone was um he could go down to the reservoirs to fish and that was sort of a couple of miles away and then he, not just that it's the journey there on his own in between and then his daughter the the mother of this particular child in the study I think could go down to the swimming baths, which was maybe, you know, 800 kilometres. No, that's not 800 kilometres would be way too far. But, you know, like, that would end, be adventurous. End. Wow. That would be adventurous, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Um, she could go to the swimming baths. It was, you know, a short bus ride away, say, and she's got that, that roaming zone. And then the child who was then a child in the sort of, um, I think this study was around the mid early 2000s um could go to the end of the street and actually now can that child the the son or daughter of that child can they leave their garden can they leave their bedroom and that's that there's something about the uh, the diminishing of experience that children can access by themselves mm. that is real life experience I, children are accessing a lot of really interesting and varied stuff but it's often uh, through screens and through mm. um, through tech, but actually that tangible real life outdoor experience is, is diminished a lot. So that's why we're then, I think, as as also as a culture and a society, looking for ways to replace that. Like, what mm. do we do instead? And and I think that's you know I'm I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Forest School has, has gained such traction because it's got this. Um, uh, this story about children having that free free access to nature, but then, like you say, it is also with an adult supervising, which is very different from how you played as a child and how I played as a child. And and it isn't better or worse; it's just different, mm. you know. The, and 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 I think the other interesting thing to notice is that there are still children who are playing out, and it is normal. And the, the I'm part of a cooperative of practitioners, and and some of my colleagues are working on housing estates locally here doing work like we used to do 15 years ago um and just turning up to parks and and recs and supporting and uh spending time with the children there extending their their play that they already do they already play out but mm. they're meeting them there and and, and there's also at their end trying to make sure that the play is seen as something that's not antisocial i mean that's one of the other things is that children playing out it can often be perceived as antisocial behaviour mm, if mm. you look at it from the outside. So, again, it's like how do we counter some of those narratives? Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Well, I, well, I was just wondering why I'm still stuck because I'm always interested in um, the ground, grassroots level, but also policy, mm. you know, because mm. they're, not, they're not exclusive. And, and so what was going on do you think in a local authority that was going yeah this is valuable what was the mindset of that because there's so little investment now in that in really that freedom and what that means I think although again I'm going to be always inevitably looking at things from just what I know which is not very much Um, but but what do you what's going on at that time in in mindsets that that we're going yep this is really valuable why were they valuing it oh there's a big Government review. So if we go back to 2008, there was a Dobson review, big government review about the importance of play and, you know, lots of people involved in children's play commenting and contributing to that, which then led to money. (laughs) You know, that's like proper big money coming in and and every local authority had to have a a play policy. It was was like it was coming down from the highest level as a directive and, and where I was in Bradford. They were already well ahead of that, um, partly because of the particular vision and, and expertise of, of people who were in, working for children's services there, um, which meant that we were able to, you know, really, really roll with what was happening. But that was happening right across the country, and it was mm. it was being guided by, by by government money and and priorities shift and change and political perspective shift and change and you know money for play is now coming much more out of the voluntary sector and out of the third, you know third sector funding and, and small charitable trusts rather than big sledges of it coming from from yeah from central government and that that changes things 
Yeah, I mean, that does change things. And I, you know, both of us are involved in the voluntary sector as well through community mm -hmm. interest companies. Um, but when we put that on voluntary sector, <clears throat> mm -hmm. while it's quite engaging in some ways, you know, we're here, we're, we're working hopefully on the ground, listening a little bit more. Um, oh, God, we can't we can't do it all, can we? We can't get the money, mm -hmm. deliver the thing. It's very hard. So I, I absolutely yeah. think that we absolutely need the vision and the expertise of well, we, people being listened to and enacting those mm -hmm. things. Because I am, I'm still, you know, as a, as a trainer like you, I, I, I for me, I, I didn't have that background in play and I didn't and still have so much to learn about the value of play. Um, I definitely came in much more about, you know, from nature connection and nature background. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I, I think it's it's hard to understand the value of play, particularly if you, uh, well, if you didn't have it, but also like I know um, a colleague that we know from America, John Young, you know, he would talk mm. about unconscious competence. So mm. you don't know that you know it, you don't know that it's valuable and until you maybe lose it. So why is, but I have such an instinct now having worked with so many groups that play freedom mm. choice all these things are are so important and i wonder what you think having really been quite rarely i think in this in this area for most of your life why is play important why should we if you believe it why should we we be um valuing this and it's a huge question because i know there's tons of research but but yeah just share with us from your from your expertise, Lily, why? Why? What, what is play, and why? Why? Why should we be doing it? There's um. There's, I'm just casting around the room looking for a book which I tidied up yesterday. But uh, Jackie Kilvington is it? I think she talks about um, play is like breathing. It's exactly that. That like everybody, it's, it's an instinctive thing. Everybody breathes, and. Um, that it's, it's like a really fundamental thing to life, but actually sometimes people struggle with that and need a bit of support with that or need um, support structures to bring, like um, oxygen masks if you're, you know, unwell. So sometimes we need to support that process, but actually given space and time, everybody plays. And it, it, I think it's that fully basic human need that exists in all of us to play. And I think that's what's important is it's about, being having permission to do what's important to you having that autonomy having that space and time to, to follow your own needs and interests and the things that excite you and the things that light you up and then for me play is also about then connecting with other people and finding other people that go ah oh, yeah and and you know it, it's it's it feels like such a vital human way we we do stuff uh, you know just in the supermarket at the weekend and i'm there's a, a little baby in a car who's in a shopping trolley who's looking looks at you and then you sort of duck behind something and they're like oh, that person's play you know and it, it you, you don't even need to talk to another person you don't even need to um know anything about that other person but you can connect through play that there's mm. something that that sparks other people up and sparks you up and for me as a human I think that's why not just the professional interest in play but actually as a human I love to play and, and be playful because it it feels like it sparks me up and 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 makes yeah makes everything more exciting and and, and bearable actually. Mm. There's um ah oh, Brian um Brian Sutton Smith says the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression, which is mm. huge. You know that's just like when we look at actually how so many people are really struggling and really um you know, finding a lot, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of tension in people. And and if if that is true, that the opposite of depression is play, then actually is that what a lot of us are missing, that, that opportunity to be playful? And you, I have a quote that you, that I picked up. Oh, and you said, <laughs> when you open your minds creatively, you can be creative about life choices too. I just thought that was lovely. Well, I've got that from something you've written. So Ooh. in the notes, I might 
I will. I'll definitely refer mm. on the website yeah, to, yeah. to these things so people can look look in and further into your work and your thoughts. Haha. <laughs> but um, yeah, when you open your minds creatively, you can be creative about life choices too. That really stuck with me because I'm actually I don't know. I'm, I, God, I'm going to be, I'm an emotional woman, clearly, because I keep having these strong feelings when I'm doing these conversations. But I feel quite moved by that, Lily, because, oh, this notion that we have choice, it could almost bring me to tears. (sighs) You know, when you don't feel you have choice, when the world says, stop, no, 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 you can't because of the way you look or the way your, your background or your income or the school you're in, you know, all those, no, 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 no choice. And then you figure out, oh God, maybe, maybe there is a crack. And I love this notion that you open your minds creatively, that might happen. You, what, do you th- what do you feel? Well, so you and I talk quite regularly and, and kind of have been co, what's the word, like questing almost, and without a, a goal, which I'm, I'm very much enjoying. And I think last, I was just thinking about the last time we talked about this idea that that all rules are made up, you know, they're, they're, that's just the part of, and it is, it's an extension of that same thing, isn't it? That, that... Well, you said that and I have not been, sorry, I interrupted because I was I'm so excited yeah, on, you meant, well, I'm so excited you mentioned that because that's the thing that's been sticking in my brain for mm. about the month. You said that, actually, mm. that all rules are mm. made up. Yeah. Do carry and, on. And they are, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a kind of, we come up with conventions and then we uphold them. That's, you know, and 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 I think sometimes there is that that playful part of me that is like a five year old that's like, but why? But why? You know, and and that that part of children that's just like, yeah, but tell me why. And people, well, it just is. Like, I, I'm not sure if I've ever. Maybe I wasn't told it just is enough, or maybe I never accepted it. But but why? You know, and, and looking at you know, I've, I've always been quite interested in and how structures work and how systems work because I think that's part of that question of like but why you know wh- wh- why are we doing things this way why why is that happening and and is that working for everybody and how can we shift it if not and why what's stuck that if things won't shift then then what what are the what are the sticking points and yeah, yeah. I think it is it is part of that n- n- my own interest in in choice and and control which comes with choice right you know which is mm. being able to make choices for yourself as a human and move through the world in that way. Um, but doing it in such a way that you're not creating chaos and hurt for other people. I think that's the, that's the, the tricky balance right there, isn't it? That, that choice and control as a human is great, but actually how does that impact on, on other people and yeah. as well? Yeah. And that's where it gets really complicated. Yeah. It feels strange, though, because, you know, we're both as you said, working often with teachers and and different groups. But um, when I think of schooling, uh, I've got a 16-year-old, my youngest, Mm. and I'm I'm sort of thinking, in a way, I'm telling her, but the older you get, the more freedom you get. I said, you know, you won't have to do all of it in this way now. And, And I think about that. That was my experience that I felt the older I got, the more choice I had. And and I, it feels kind of back to front in a way that I felt I had to wait almost until I was, well, when I actually said, okay, I'm not going to, well, actually having a complete breakdown and not being able to cope made me realise, okay, um, I need to find another way, right? Um, or it was oh, basically, I think as an adult is when I started to realise I, I could have more choice, but I never felt that particularly as a young person and I and I'm thinking about the system the school system that we're in and I'm absolutely grateful that forest school the forest school approach has entered so many mainstream schools as a potential to be part of a child's life to have a, a space where there is more choice there is more autonomy and of course that deep relationship with the natural world which mm. is an extension as we started this conversation it's an extension of um, what it is to be human, you know, to have other relationships, the other. But um, but I'm also struck by how little choice there seems to be currently in the mainstream and how we can be 
we can leave school. So many of us can leave school feeling not good enough or that we haven't achieved what the rule, like you said, the rule is we have to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's not just, and if we don't do it, it's our fault. Yeah. And where's the compassion in that? This <laughs> is like, oh, yeah. here's an arbitrary rule. You have now failed. You didn't even know the arbitrary rule existed until you failed it. You know, and it's, it feels like that's a lot of, for the, you know, in a similar way, my experience of being in my late teens and early 20s and, and going, okay, well, what, well, there's another arbitrary rule that I missed. Oh, okay, right. Oh, you know, good. Mm. <laughs> and mm. to the point where I think, well, certainly I could, I, you know, have a vivid sense of being in my late teens and going, teens and just thinking what if I didn't what if I didn't even try to play that game whatever that was and I can't I can't lose if I'm not even trying to play the game you know just like and then that sort of uh, yeah like you're saying that sort of opting out or not being able to cope and and, and being outside of, of, of that falling sort of off system, yeah. I think. falling off the falling off but then mm. finding a way back in and but being able, I feel much more able now to move in and out. And I think that's an aging thing as well. I think there's something really um, lovely about getting older that means you kind of can be a bit more compassionate with yourself and go, ah, yeah, well, you know what? That would have been mm. nice. Didn't happen. You know, all mm. the things that that perhaps consume us a little bit more when when you've got energy for that. <laughs> Actually, you get older, you're like, ah, well. I've not got yeah. spare energy for that. So do you know what? I'm not even going to try. Uh, you know, I think it, it changes in a different way. Well, like you can that, be so. wilder in, and we haven't, right. I, I don't know if we'll ever get to what that really means, but it's, there's a sense mm. in me of I can be wilder because I, because I can come back. Mm. <laughs> it, and, and that's not just physically. That's also within my own inner world. I can imagine greater or I can trust take a risk, you know, uh, uh, because I can kind of find my way back. That's how I'm sort of seeing it. And I guess because mm. I did mm. get lost, I do want to mm. know that I can get back somehow mm. or that someone yeah. there's, or, or like you said, I have enough inner compassion to be kinder to myself or to hopefully have somebody that can be kind to me when I'm not being kind to myself. Mm. Um, and that is, that, that does get easier when we get older um well I was just thinking we've got these internalized voices haven't we you know there's things that it's like well I'm I'm I can't do that I I'm that's not for me and that kind of imposter syndrome being a thing that oh, comes yeah. up a lot <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh, it yeah. comes up a lot winging it what, what, what are we doing here winging it. what the hell are we we're doing making here it <laughs> we're making it up as we go along again <laughs> but you know, not always feeling like we should be allowed to do that even no. though we're doing it all the time and you know it's it, and it's made a, a life out of doing that it still feels yeah. like yeah gonna get caught out Something yeah notice. oh no yeah oh, no. We, well yeah no. and we could get punished we could get punished good oh no yeah they'll find out they'll find out Uh oh why are we putting that out there then (sighs) that made me think of Brené Brown and she's got to come in at some point hasn't she that it that I mean she says you've got you've got to get it you know you've got to go into the arena oh and now I think instead of the arena like the boxing ring I'm thinking of like you know the gladiators the lions like you know you've got to get in the arena and uh and yeah and hopefully, I guess, have enough of whatever that is to to not get annihilated <laughs> somehow. Right. Um, is that the wildness then? Is that the wildness? Just putting yourself out there like that, kind of just, you know, letting letting things fall a little bit. Letting, mm. like, going back to that thing about vulnerability, you know, like letting things, letting the, the facade fall away, letting the kind of control drop from you and kind of giving it up, giving up your power to, I think there's, you know, working with children and young people, there's something so powerful about giving up your own power to the people that you're with. Okay, we can try that. Yeah, why not? Well, I I don't know how it'll go, but there's only one way to find out, you know, there's that way of of being with children and young people. And it it kind of, you know, it, 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 it surprises them sometimes because they're so used to people going, no, no, you can't do that. No, like you can. I mean, mm. I, I don't know how. <laughs> it, it's just mm. such a different way of approaching the world, isn't it? So, I think there's some that's that's got a sense of wildness in it, isn't that sort of un, 
untamed being we don't know the route to get there we're just going to fall into it and see how the river take you know where we mm. wash up and rather than planning things so carefully that we can't we can't fail mm. yeah Mm, yes. Gosh, that's lovely. And I'm also thinking of, we don't know the route to get there, but if, if you, th- I can have an image of, yeah, being within a group of young people, um, adults, and we don't have the map, but we're all kind of leaning into each other a little bit and everybody's mm. being valued a little bit. You know, we're kind of like, oh, you mm. might have something or I might have something. And then, then I think of the forest as like, you know, all these different things that are growing there that, bring something and mm, mm. if we you know and if we can pay attention to that um you know then perhaps well I see it all the time Lily we, we've talked about this how you know that we just can't see we're never going to be able to see everything so we really mm. need the other the other human the other perspective the other you know tree or whatever to to spark something that we couldn't do on our own um and 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 then and yeah that I love I don't I don't know where that's going but I feel Mm. but that's something about trust as well isn't it it's something about if we can lean into the unknown there's there could Mm. be quite a richness there Uh, I've got a practical example that that what you're you were sort of saying you drew a little picture in, with your words of, of a group of people sort of leaning in and kind of not knowing where they were going, and and for a few years with our one of the groups that we work with regularly, we would go on these quests where we wouldn't have a, a destination. And I've I've tried to sort of share them with adults, and it's never quite as successful as it is with the children. It, it, I think because people have their first thoughts and their second thoughts and their third thoughts while they're doing it, whereas children are just in it, we're doing it. And so on these quests, each person would have a, a stone with a, a black dot on one side and a, and a plane on the other side. And at each point where we didn't know or, or just when we were a bit bored of wherever we were walking, we'd, we'd kind of, somebody would make a proposal and then we'd all like prepare our stone. Like, what do I think <laughs> about this? And then everybody would show their stone. And, and, and if everybody was in agreement, we would do the thing. And if, if somebody didn't wasn't in agreement, we'd be like, okay, well, you've got a different perspective. What what have you seen that we haven't? And sometimes it could get on for a really long time. You know, like one one group of children wanted to go this way, and one group of children wanted to go that way. And we were I remember being stood for a really long time, just like just outside our main camp, with going, okay, so so you all think we should go this way, and, and this is what they're saying. So let's try again. So if we're going to go this way, it's the black dot. Everybody shows it's half black, half. And then this one child just went. What about we run down that hill and it's just <laughs> thick overgrown? No, there's not even a path. What about we all just run down there? Okay, so the proposal is we all just run down there. Everybody's in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> and we all just pile, pile down this hill, like, whoa, and falling all over and got to the bottom. We're like, okay, oh, now what? You know, and it's, and it, it's a, just such a lovely example of like consensus isn't easy. Like, <laughs> our brain is going, okay, so how are we? Okay, okay well, uh, and then everybody's like, oh, come on, we just need to find a way out of this. And this child going, let's just run. <laughs> let's just run away from this. <laughs> yes, we all agree. Brilliant, go. And and that for me was, I mean, I know, um, um, I'm just thinking about Mel Harrison who talks a lot about that sociocratic model. Exactly an example of that, you know, of just how do you, how do you, hear everybody's voice and how do you treat somebody who's not in agreement as somebody who isn't disagreeing with you but who has seen something different that you haven't because that's the only way you can find a way out of those situations okay so what what have you seen that we haven't what are you thinking about that we we don't know rather than you know majority you're out outvoted which is such a yeah it's such a different way to to, to process the world isn't it and, and I, I just sometimes wonder so, you know how will those children be when they grow up and they they're the ones who are trying to hold space for other people will they take any of that sense of okay well maybe they've just got a different perspective that I've not seen yet that they can take into how they follow the world mm, I love that and I think that's a that's a wonderful place to end this um conversation I think because yeah this idea of 
lots of paths out there and and choices and opportunities to follow and who we who, who will we listen to and outside of ourselves but also inside ourselves feels really mm. important lily how do people find out about the trainings you're offering or the things you're interested in do you want to just let us know that would be great and we'll put stuff on the website as well but it's so nice to 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 to, to speak to you and, and know that there's so much more oh we're only scratching on the surface here <laughs> it's only yeah. a lick of the spoon oh a lick <laughs> of the spoon <laughs> yes. oh, it, does. it feels yes. like it's such a feast of like stuff to talk about yes and yeah, so I have a, a website in, in which I haven't updated the blog for a thousand years, but um, if you imagine all the things I might be talking about that are on there, that's probably for the best. Um, but I do use social media as well. So it's Kindling Play and Training is um, my website and uh, Kindling uh, Kindling Lily on Instagram. Lovely. Well, we will definitely write that up um, so people know. And I think I've just heard your dog saying, come on, Lily. It's time, yeah? Yep. The sun is shining. You've got a lot of wet tarpaulins. You should, let's go outside. Let's go outside. Yeah. That was a clear, direct message, I reckon, from, the, from, <laughs> from your beautiful dog. And what a lovely full circle back to our lovely dogs, our friends. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much. See you soon. again for speaking to me Lily. Join me next week as I dive deeper into thinking about risky play, how our reduced roaming radius has an impact and why, the why that helps change our minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wild Minds podcast. If you enjoyed it and want to help support this podcast, please subscribe, share and leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Your review will help others find the show. To stay updated with the Wild Minds podcast and get all the behind the scenes content, you can visit theoutdoorteacher.com or follow me on Facebook at The Outdoor Teacher UK and LinkedIn, Marina Robb. The music was written and performed by Jeff Robb. See you next week, same time, same place. Have you ever wondered about the guitar music in my podcast? Well, it's actually my husband, Jeff Robb. Jeff's touring England and Wales with the music of trees, blending woodland-inspired music with stories about trees. Catch him in May, June and July. Details and tickets at jeffrobb.com slash shows.